Hello, Denver United, and welcome to another episode of our podcast series, Clunky Conversations on Unity and Race. We wrapped up our teaching series this week, George, and now the conversation turns to you all in our groups and in our friendship circles, in our community. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is such an important time. I believe we were placed on the earth. I believe our church was formed, fashioned as it is, and placed in the heart of Denver for such a time as this. Absolutely. And uh, and I hope, you know, we've said this pretty much at the beginning of each episode, but we hope that um, you guys have enjoyed having the conversation, starting it, pushing into it, leaning into it. I've gotten uh, a whole bunch of phone calls and texts from, from uh, friends that are, are, are doing just that, leaning in and asking my opinion, asking me to engage, and, and seeing y'all do that together has been really encouraging. So um, looking forward to diving into do it, to it a little bit more today. We've talked a lot about how to have this conversation from a Jesus standpoint, from a biblical point of view, how to listen and engage one another. Um, and and um, now we are entering the conversation. Many of us have been in it, let's be clear, but yeah. as, a, as a congregation, concertedly, uh, at a time when the, the tension has never been higher and the amount of discussion, the amount of competing voices, simultaneous contributions, healthy, unhealthy, and everything in between to the public discourse discourse hasn't probably been higher in the last decade. And so the question I want to address today is how do we enter that conversation productively and Christ-like? How do we enter it in a way that represents Jesus, advocates for justice and unity, and actually works. We don't want symbolic victories. We want, we want to move the ball down the field. We want to accomplish God's purpose in our generation, such as we're able to contribute to it. And George, last episode, we were talking about uh, landmines or potholes in the road of this conversation as we're preparing to have it proactively as a congregation. We brought up several. It was a lively discussion. I hope it was (laughs) practical and helpful in how do we do this in a way that actually works. You know, I love scripture's practicality. It says, run the race in such a way as to get the prize. It's saying like the real value isn't the symbolic value of entering the contest. The value is if you're going to run, Run to win. Right. And so what we're talking about now is not only that we should have this conversation. I think yeah, most so of us, many of us are in, but how do we have a conversation in a way that gets the prize? Absolutely. We're looking for kingdom come and nothing less than that should satisfy us. No symbolic victory. No, sorry, not sorry. I just had to sound off. That's about us. We're looking for the win that is about the other and that is about Jesus. And so uh, I want to zero in on one of the landmines that you brought up actually, which is kind of which was in a sense and help me remember exactly how you phrased it it's like changing the conversation yeah I, I think the way we named it might have been just the classic subject change um, and what I mean by that is there's something that's inherent to certain conversations or altercations or whatever they are that when you enter them there's this weird like gravitational pull away from the thing and then towards something else. So you start the conversation talking about one thing and then quickly 
or suddenly or subversively, somehow we end up talking about something completely different that also might be important, but it's not where we started. So one of the hardest things I think with this conversation on race and justice and unity is staying in the room. You know what I'm saying? Like staying in the conversation mm-hmm. um, and not looking for an exit route into something else that might also be important. Mm-hmm. But can we stay on topic um, as much as possible and not drift into something else? Because that's what derails it so many times. Okay, so I want to start by talking about how and why that happens. Is it with just sort of a, a, a corporate oops, we did it again? Or is there something more intentional, even if it's subconscious behind that? Uh, address the motive so that we can check our hearts and enter it um, pure-hearted and humble, and then talk about how do we respond to that? Yeah. How do we navigate a conversation where that happens again? I loved how Mari this weekend um, drew out in Jesus ministry leadership, the example of entering the space of the other mm. and staying there and how that Gosh, dignified so her, her story and began the process of redeeming Jesus' own people's um, ethnic brokenness, yeah. that they would go way out of their way to go around Samaria. Jesus made a point of going into it and went right to the well where the people are that have conversations. And stayed. And he stayed there. Yeah. He let the conversation be there about that, right? So um, I'm sure you've noticed uh, in, in the realm of public discourse right now, I mean, you just get on Facebook or turn on the news or whatever, um, that there is this tendency that is, is, is overtaking the public discourse right now to hijack the conversation, right? To redirect it, as you're saying. Um, It starts about, invariably, somebody's um, grief, pain, anguish, complaint about injustice, about not having been seen, about not being able to be heard, and just the maddening, um, the, the galling feeling that that creates. And any of us who is, who, who's lived for 15 or 20 minutes knows <laughs> the feeling of, of pulling your hair out when somebody is just not, you're not hearing me. Mm-hmm. No, no, listen, you know, when, when, when my kids were little, they would, I'd be distracted doing many things and multitasking, also taking care of them. Do you remember? They would grab my face and turn <laughs> it toward them to say, look at me. There is a deep elemental foundational human need for you to hear me, really get me, feel me. And that's part of the, and for some of us, maybe that maybe you've witnessed this or seen it, but had a hard time understanding um, where some of the rage, <laughs> maybe that's the best word I can use, comes from, mm-hmm. is there is a rage when you feel like someone's not hearing mm-hmm. you. Um, when, when you're trying to express a certain level of pain and experience and like, yo, this is what I've been through or this is the problem, and then when there's, for many people, what we've talked about is there's, there's an element of silence on that, mm-hmm. which has a rage in and of itself. Mm-hmm. When it's like, does anyone else notice that this is a problem? Are you going to speak up and say something? And again, speaking up doesn't mean posting. I'm just saying, is there a response? So, so many times there's no response at all mm-hmm. to the issue, which is, can, can, can pull up a lot of emotion and rage and anger in people. Absolutely. But then... When I do hear you speak and it's about something else, you know, so yeah. like turning my face in another direction right. so you can tell me something else that's true, 
it like it there's an exponential right. factor of rage like that if you're having a, you know just if you're having a hard time understanding maybe why people are getting really upset there's something to that to one not being heard but then shifting to something else it, 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 it's doubly, triply. It's like this. There's yeah. rage level one. If I'm trying with all the forces of, of uh, um, persuasion and communication at my disposal, individually and collectively over a long period of time to get you to hear me say something and right. you, can't, you don't understand, you can't hear me, you're not picking up what I'm putting down, rage level one. Yes. But there's rage level two if I'm gathering that you're not hearing me because you're not willing to hear me. Hmm. You are unwilling you're saying basically talk to the hand. You're saying, I'm going to change the subject now. And that's the, the level of rage I think we're witnessing in our cities across America. Okay, so before we get into why, let's, let's just unpack what, what, what. How is this happening? We talked last week about uh, a couple years ago now, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and um, trying to draw attention to a, a grief, a plight um, that has just not been heard in his judgment and in the judgment of many. Yeah. And um, the response was f- far and wide. It, was, it, it, it spanned the gamut, but the, the one that, that sticks out to me is with regard to supporting the troops. Mm-hmm. The white majority's response was so often, you know, sad that we support our troops, sad that you don't. And so... What just happened there? When the conversation was changed from the, the experience of pain and injustice to the support of our troops. Now, is the support of our troops good? Absolutely. Yes. Who's going to argue no? And that is a subject that, that's a, that's a hill that's easy to defend. So what happens, and I, I number myself with these transgressors, often is the white majority will shift the conversation away from a place, as Mari put it, mm-hmm. of moral ambiguity, where we're uncomfortable, to a place where we can reclaim the moral high ground. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, we can reclaim the moral high ground around the troops. You should, you should uh, we support our troops. Sad that you don't mm-hmm. at this time with America, you know, in, in such tension in the world. Uh, and then something second happens which is that the, the person who is being asked to hear now takes the conversation leadership. Like just said, I'm going to be the board chair. I'm going to reset the agenda. I've just taken the mic from you. I've mm. just stolen the conversation and I've put you back in your place on your heels. And I'm going to make you not only not able to set the conversation topic, I'm going to make you have to defend why you too evidently don't care about our troops. And now he has to respond to the hijack, right? Right. To say, well, no, 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 I, that's not what the, and there's a certain level of like, and we, and once you see this, it's sort of like, you can't unsee it. You see how this keeps happening again and again. Give us another example. Um, so again, you take cat, you take the Colin Kaepernick thing, wherever you land on that, you can see how it starts with police brutality and then it shifts to the flag, the national anthem, the troops, and now we're talking about that. So it's like, all right, so here you have a person who is trying to voice a grievance, a pain, an experience, and then they're met with, we don't like how you're doing that, how you're voicing that opinion because of X, Y, Z. So now we begin to argue about X, Y, Z, right? So then, 
another example is the one you've probably seen this for years and it's coming back again now is Black Lives Matter. All right. Why are why is that individual or that person or that group saying that? They're saying it because we don't feel like that's true. You know what I'm saying? Like we feel like a lot of people keep getting killed and there's no no one seems to care. It mm-hmm. seems like our lives don't matter. And then you're met with, well, you know, all lives right. in fact matter. And that in which what what is happening is you're shifting it away from the uncomfortable reality that maybe something's broken to, well, you know what? I don't like how you're going about voicing that grievance by saying only black lives matter, even though no one's saying only. Right. <laughs> we make it sound like the, 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 the poster says only black lives right. matter. White lives don't matter. No, it just said, so, and you shift it to all as a way of, as a way of saying, well, you know, let's not talk about that. We all matter. So in stealing the conversation, what happens is with that one word and the all lives matter. It sounds a little um, conciliatory and maybe even patronizing. What just happened is we just stole the conversation that was to say, we have felt like our lives don't matter. And now we've shifted it to a place of uh, unambiguous moral high ground where we can say the conversation's now going to be about the sanctity of human life. Right. And it, Which, it's, as white people, we, we own the moral superiority on that conversation. That's a fine conversation. All lives do matter. That's not the conversation, though, I was trying to bring up. And it's patronizing in another way, right? It, it kind of makes, makes people feel like you think they don't know that. Right. <laughs> you know, all lives matter. I, you, do you think I don't know that? The the expectation is that now you who are the plaintiff need to be the defendant. Right. You had an, you had an issue that you wanted to bring up and now you need to defend that you of course know, of course, I wouldn't mean to say that your life doesn't matter. Well, no, that's a straw man, right? You just built it up so you can punch it down. Mm -hmm. Nobody was saying that you thought. So, So you just see how that happens. It happens again and again, especially with this issue. Um, where where there's a protest, there's an airing of a grievance, mm-hmm. and then quickly it becomes, well, we don't like how you're doing it, right? And, it, and then we start talking about something else, yeah. Um, and it's just a it's it's a landmine. It's a way of diverting yourself into it's you know like I don't know. Um, I'm married, been married for nine years, um, almost ten, and there's something that happens a lot of the times when I'm we get an argument about a thing. Right. Whatever the thing is. Right. And then it happens. 20 minutes in, an hour in, we find ourselves no longer arguing about the thing, but we're arguing about the argument. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like somehow in the argument, someone brings up something else and now I'm lost. Like, I don't even know what we're, what we're talking about. You know, <laughs> have you seen, I'm not the, don't leave me like I'm the only one. Oh no. I, I think everybody who's been <laughs> married Two years or more gets this. Year one, you think each other's perfect. By year two, it's starting to fly. Uh, and how many times has our wife, let me own it, has my wife brought up something just true, a grievance that she has, a way that I am un, un, under attentive to her or hurtful. And rather than engaging that place of possible culpability, certain uncomfortable uh, and, and the moral ambiguity of it, if you will, to keep consistent with the language, right? right? I'll, I'll tack to the left and find <laughs> some high ground that I can stand on to be like, well, you've always, this is because you, and I'll zoom it out, 
or I'll shift the focus to, to, make, um, to make my wife's compliance with goodness and justice the thing in question, not mine. Right. Every married You always thing. leave the refrigerator door open. Right. It's like, well, we were talking about you not spending time with me. Right. Why are we talking about the refrigerator door right now? Right. But it's something in us. It's it not is. just you. It's not just me. And look, this isn't even a racial conversation specific right. tendency. This is a human tendency that gets that comes out and takes over when the tension is high. And right. right now the tension is high, brother. And in this conversation, we cannot engage without encountering this roadblock. And so it seems like we might as well um, talk about how to navigate it. Before we get into kind of a proactive, where, where we go with this, it's one thing to know it's coming. That was the aim of our last episode, right. just to identify challenges. How can we proactively lean into and engage and challenge this and not just, um, not just blow the thing up out of protest? How can we run to win? Yeah. But first, we can't really have this hijack the conversation, change the subject, uh, illumination discussion without talking about what's going on literally all around us right here yeah. in Denver, a couple of miles to our north as we sit here. Um, the, the protests turned riots. Is this, is there a way in which this is, among other things, that's a complex set of social dynamics going on, is this an expression of what we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a layered, it's a layered thing, but at, at, a, at a basic level, I would say from what I've witnessed and listened to in conversations I've been a part of in the last week, um, this is that. Um, where there are there are some people that have the the issue on which they have spoken out the most has been the response to the issue and not the issue it's been it's missing the the fact that why are people in the streets it's because of this issue and then they're responding to it and so much of the energy now is being pointed at the response instead of the actual issue. Riots are counterproductive. Lawlessness is intolerable. Um, two wrongs, is two wrongs don't make a right. Right. You know, you're just like, I, I know that. <laughs> like, right. But what you've just done is shifted the focus onto a second wrong and underattended one more time to the first wrong. A and again, erected a straw man as though anybody is saying, barring some fringe militia group that's apparently imported from out of state to, right. to be mercenary rioters. No, no thinking, no one in this discussion is saying that, that the, the wanton destruction of property is good. Right. Right. And it, I mean, and if that does exist, you probably, you know, it's, it's not even a group. It's a, it's a small fraction of some small percentage, but to, to hear, and again, this is just me sharing some of what I've walked through the last week or so is I've seen and talked to people personally that have been more outraged and vocal and, and angry and righteous. There's a righteousness to stand up against the smashing of windows. And the stealing of TVs. And the stealing of electronic equipment. And, there's so, and you listen to their voice and look at their face and their tone and they are, woo! And I'm just like, where was that about the issue and not the response? And, 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 and your passion, it can hijack you into now all your posting, all your sharing, all you're talking about is another conversation. And, and it, veer, it tricks us into 
leading us away from the thing that we were actually intending to talk about. Right. And, um, and does the fact that that, that, that inconsistency of, of um, energy, the passion, the, the countenance shift that you're describing that I've also witnessed, that that wasn't there uh, around the source pain, um, does that belie something? Does that say that that wasn't there around the source pain? Again, I'm not going to... Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, again, so much of what we say now and, and how we vocalize our care and disdain for many people exists only on a, on a digital platform. Mm-hmm. So in no way am I judging your level of care and heart by what you put out on your digital square. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are really active um, on their digital square and they do nothing in real life. And there's a lot of people that are silent on their digital platform, but they're actually having tough conversations and being a part of solutions actively. But for me, it's when you choose to be silent in one area, and then when you do speak out, it's about another issue. Now I have some, <laughs> now it's sort of apples to apples to be like, okay, well, if you are speaking out, why, where was- Why that? Why and that this. and not this, and, and can't, it, it, it's discouraging in some ways. And I, you know, I, I had someone say, you know, well, isn't an injustice, is, isn't, all, isn't all injustice equal? Isn't, isn't an injustice an injustice? And I, and I had to say, no. <laughs> are, you, are you trying to say that a broken window is the same as a broken neck? R- really? And when we hear ourselves say it, we sort of know that that sounds right. wrong. But it's how you get tricked into saying really crazy stuff. But isn't there some sort of like pseudo-apocryphal theology baked into that in the Christian community? Like we know that God doesn't distinguish uh, among sins and that Jesus died for all sins. And Jesus said, um, if you looked at a woman lustfully, you committed adultery in your heart. Thus, there's no scale of badness with with regard to atonement (laughs) theology. Yes. yes. With regard to the outworking of human society when it comes to the rest of us here on earth right now that comment wait while it i don't know how it plays out theologically 100 percent, but this conversation that is not helpful (laughs) and if anything it it, i don't think it describes the level of care that might be in your heart Mm -hmm. um and and that's what can respect that's what can pull out a lot of rage Mm. for people it's like can you just stay with me for a minute. Can you just sit with me, hear me out, contemplate, and not need to shift the conversation, not need to steal the mic, not need to be the the board chair who's setting the agenda, the person with the power. Can you be a little less powerful for a few minutes and just hear my heart? And that's why I think everything we've talked about has built and and it's important and it starts, that's why we started with empathy as being one of those those needed things to even engage this topic yep. because I, I, I guess I can't say this, but I, I, I will. I, I promise you that anyone who's more outraged about rioting and looting, if it was their daughter or their son who had a knee on their throat for nine minutes and had to see that, they wouldn't, they wouldn't appreciate people saying, well, hey, I know that was an injustice, but the way you cussed out that person on the street out of anger, doesn't make it. those are the same level of wrong. You know, it's like <laughs> when it's you, you know that you would go crazy out of, out of a need to be heard. Mm-hmm. And so the more we can just sit with the tension in the discomfort and not 
deflect the conversation to another justifiably righteous argument to make, just sit in the one that's uncomfortable for a second. And um, I think a lot more progress happens from from that point than than trying to divert it um, somewhere else. So, you know what? I I wanted to read uh, a comment from... um, an acquaintance whom I've come to respect, uh, whose voice is is clear and unflinching, that makes the point you said very well. If someone murdered, this is a white woman, if someone murdered my family member by handcuffing them and then kneeling on their neck for nine minutes while they begged for life, I would find a way to protest and seek justice. If my child were one of who knows how many in a 400-year streak of hatred and murder, and I could see that peaceful protests were not working, pleading was not working, nothing was working, you need to believe I would burn shit down. (laughs) I wish we hadn't pushed people to this, but we did. We did this. Slapping someone repeatedly and then criticizing their slapback is blind. Wow. I mean, that's just so well said. And um, that now here's where the comments went. Well, are you saying? You no. Know, so, so I'm sorry, but I, I just can't join you in condoning uh, violence, property damage, rioting. And, and before even finishing the first drawing of breath, wow. you missed her point. Right. This woman lives under the expectation of the rule of law. She values what you value. And clearly, with a moment's reflection, it's evident she's not advocating for, for violence. For violence. Right, exactly. That's, that's case in point of where it happened. Okay, so what do, we, what do we do about this? How do we engage the conversation? We've just, you and I, invited our congregation to engage knowing that among us, certainly out there, this is coming. I wish I had an easy answer. I think sometimes it's it's being aware of it, going into it that does a lot. You know, you, you think about the kid in the um, <laughs> in the you know a kid is in his room and he's and he's scared that there's a monster in the closet. You know what I mean? Like you have to open the closet first to show them like, hey, there's there's nothing in there. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to you have to lean into it a little bit. And I think for this, just being aware that all of us in some way or another, in one expression or another, are, are tempted to do mm-hmm. this. We're, t- we're tempted to find high ground to go to when we feel threatened by the floodwaters that are, that are around our ankles and we don't, we're not comfortable. And we all do it. So can we, j- if you're just aware, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, am I still on topic? Mm-hmm. I think that goes a long way. I don't know. What would you say to, to how we... A wise counselor um, told Mari and me at one point in our marriage, you can only have one conversation at a time. Hmm. You can be talking about two different things toward one another's general direction, but that's not two or even one conversation. That's zero conversations. You can only have one conversation at a time. So um, what we learned as a marriage strategy that we're taking a lifetime to live out, right, is when something like that comes up, be aware, try to regain our self-mastery and not react or get triggered by it, which is hard. Yeah. It makes sense why we would get triggered by that, right? But if we can, then say, you know what? I hear you bringing up the in-conversation about 
the effectiveness and um, uh, justice around protests turned riots. That's an important conversation. Can we acknowledge the importance of that conversation, set it aside, wow. put it in the hopper, put it on, in the on-deck circle, yeah. in the on-deck circle, and have the conversation that we are, in fact, having, and then come back to that conversation. Next meeting, we'll have this conversation, and then we'll have that one, as it appears to be important to some of us. It should be important to all of us, right? We all depend on the same... Um, law and order. Can we do this and then do that? Would that be okay? And then secondly, if it's not, yeah, but it's just that this brings up that. If it's not, can we ask the question, why is that not okay? Why is that not permissible to you? To set it down. To set this, to to set it aside and have this conversation. Does, is there, Hmm. is there a moral equivalency need? Do we all need to sign a document that circulates amongst us saying we think rioting is bad and then return to the conversation on race, justice, and unity? I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm not trying to, to have an edge. I'm saying, what, why can't we? And actually, not rhetorically. Ask that question. Ask that question and, and, and pause Gosh. and reflect for a minute, facilitators of the group, and then, and then let people answer. Because I've heard some people, George, very humbly answer that question. Hmm. It's really hard for me. I feel tremendous shame. I don't understand how to begin. I feel buried. I feel like I can't get woke enough to be accepted in the conversation. So instinctively, I want to go to a conversation that I'm a little more woke about. So I got some chops. Right. Sorry, I'm just sitting with that for a second. I think that that... I think we'd all be better with that. And again, it's... If you can't do it, then why? That's a really good question. So, I know it's about time for us to wrap, but I would... Rob, you said that so well, and um, I think that that's what we should do. I think that's how we should go about having these conversations. Can we just set it aside for a moment and if we can't, then why not? Because there's probably something deeper there that God wants to reveal to me about me um, that you'll find if you're willing to go there. I think that, it, as you said, that it occurred to me, we also don't need to be goaded into a fight that is, that is not ours or that is not the conversation. I, we don't need to be pressured to thumbs up on a different issue that jumps in the middle of and steps on top of the conversation we're here to discuss. Mm -hmm. We can simply say, I don't want to have that conversation right now. Hmm. And if another is unwilling not to have it, we can simply do our best for continuing the conversation we came to have and then go away. Remember in Romans 12, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. But see, the implication in that verse is, and I think the real teaching power, is that there comes a point after which it no longer depends on you. That's true. And if somebody is unwilling or unable to have the conversation that we've come together to have, 
I'm just going to seek conversation elsewhere. I'm not going to feel the need to get goaded into your conversation and have a fight where I'm back on my heels defending something that I, I'm not against. Right. Right. I don't think. Rob, love having these conversations with you, man. And um, So much more to talk about. It's good to grow together. And uh, you, you all listen and hope that uh, these are helpful and challenging and ones that that we can work out along the way. You're never going to get 100% ready. You're never going to be able to, to, to bomb squat out all the landmines. <laughs> you're going to miss two or three, and you're going to step on it, and yeah. it's going to be crazy. Yeah. But you keep going. So um, this is how, how change begins. This isn't the, the end point. This is the beginning point. This is the work. This is the work of, of righteousness, of loving and caring for one another, of living out um, Jesus. And, George, as we close... Um, I think there's as easy for you guys to say uh, in the air here, right? Like, if, if you, you know how everyone's doing home workouts during this virus lockdown? And what kills me about those is that the person leading it doesn't even seem to break a sweat. They're like having casual conversation on like the 75th leg lift. And it's like, it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't right. seem fair. You can't, you're not even straining. Right. Your, your <laughs> core is, is, made of iron. Right. Right. My core is not right. Well, I I guess I just want to share. I know if this is true of you, George, for me, I I am feeling like all of my emotional muscles are exhausted and sore. This has not been, I mean, this is the opposite of easy. And I'm having the conversation with George Towers. Most of you guys are having the conversation with non-George Towers, right? <laughs> so I'm, and, I, and I'm not, my mo- muscles aren't weary because you're coming at me and beating me up or anything. They're just weary because of how hard this is. And if you're feeling like a little overwhelmed and your emotional muscles are like doing the sewing machine, like you're not crazy, right? You're not crazy. I mean, I've been feeling it a lot is, uh, and this is good in so many ways. Obviously, the underlying issues are not good, but the fact that we're talking about it, engaging it, uh, many people out trying to, to make legitimate, actual change is good. But, man, it's exhausting. Like, physically, yeah. um, emotionally. Um, but, you know, going to the gym is exhausting. Yeah. And it's, can, it can still be good. I heard, um, before we go, I heard an officer um, on the radio recently that called in to share some experiences. I think it was a white officer, but was just talking about how being downtown right now, he just feels a fog in the air, a heaviness, a, like an uncertainty to what's going to happen. But then he also said, I realize that that is how a lot of people out here protesting feel every day. Right. They feel so tired funny. and heavy and unsure about what's going to happen to them every day. And he was like, it was for me, it was a wake up call to say, dang, wow. how I'm feeling temporarily is how a lot of people feel all the time. And, um, Again, these are not statements to invoke the heavy weighted blanket of guilt onto you, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's an invitation into empathy, into feeling and into the righteousness and into the love for others that I think God calls us to, to realize, man, I feel really tired. And I've been talking about this for like three or four weeks. Right. There's people that have been enduring this type of stuff for generations and they are tired and it can just help us connect. But if right. you're feeling weak in that, there's in that. Yeah. Like, yo, that's how people feel. So if you're feeling it, I'm with you. I love you, and um, we're going to keep going together. So, George, thank you um, for having this conversation with me. 
thank oh, you man, all for thank you. Uh, being willing to to listen and as we're learning to learn along with us and to engage and may God help us because to engage racial injustice is to engage imperfectly inadequately incompletely and yet thank you for having the courage may we continue to have these conversations vulnerably and graciously and um may god's kingdom come you want to pray for us yeah jesus we thank you for today um and god we just need your help in every way right now um in our lives, in our city, in our nation, around the world. It's complex. We don't pretend to know all the answers. So God, we need you. I don't even know what else to pray <laughs> help. other than we need your help. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We need your heart. So God, would you, yes. would you help us? And um, thanks for allowing us to have these conversations. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Thank you all for joining us today. Until next time, we love you a lot. And may Jesus give you strength for this leg of the journey. Love you guys.